Welcome back to Start Kyle Orton. My name is Travis. I'm here with my good old, dear old buddy, Kyle. Kyle, how are you doing? I, I'm good. I'm I'm a little tired, I'm not going to lie, but, other, but I'm ready to rock. We have actual Bears, like, new content to discuss in that uh, we had OTAs today and the the vault the veil of secrecy around Hallis Hall was lifted for one day the media was actually allowed to report after the fact about an OTA practice they certainly couldn't give a competitive advantage um, to the rest of the NFL by like allowing people to tweet during practice or anything like that that would be insane but Madness. yeah they were allowed to talk about it after the fact so we have some some OTA stuff and then of course we're gonna finish our, our roster breakdown that we started last week with the offense by uh, by moving on to the other side of the ball. Um, but yeah, no, we're getting as... close there, huh? Yeah, yeah. No, for OTAs, um, so it was really, it was really, really funny. We had just, we, you and I had just talked about how, like, the, the response from Bears media to this OTA, like, it wasn't, nobody had, nobody has been like, oh my god, this is the greatest Bears offense we have ever seen, they're gonna score 40 points a game, but, like, uh, I was listening to Hogue and Johns today, and they were talking, and they were like, uh, Hogue was like, let's be honest, though, how many times have we gone to OTAs, and, like, the offense has, to be blunt, just frickin' sucked, and we have immediately had to go into excuse mode, we had to be like, well, it's early, they need time to gel. They need time to learn the playbook. And they were like, and yesterday, for one day at least, maybe next week it'll be different, but for one day, it felt like we were watching an NFL offense. You were not immediately concerned by what you were seeing. And that's like the most, you know, when we talked about college quarterbacks, we talked about the um, the, the QB spreadsheet and all the data that I've compiled. We talked about negative correlation, how we were like, Good stats don't necessarily mean anything. Bad stats can often very much mean something bad's going to happen. When we talk when it comes to um, practice reports, OTA reports, training camp reports, a good camp, good practices, they don't mean anything. And I don't think a bad practice necessarily means anything either. But but consistently hearing like yeah the offense looked like a mess the offense looked like a work in progress the receivers couldn't get open the pass pro was awful the quarterback was inaccurate almost always does i think for most bears fans we're still traumatized especially by um you know the 2019 uh off season when you know the bears had all the super bowl hype in the world um and yet every report that came out about mitch trubisky and otas and training camp was like uh i don't know guys it's looking pretty bad Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's I, we all are kind of holding on, just like just, just it doesn't need you don't need to like heap praise on them, but like just don't say oh god this looks really bad. And that's what that's that's what you could say about the Bears offense and OTAs yesterday. Everyone was like, yeah, there were some nice fields to DJ Moore throws, and overall it was fine. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, kind of like you said, you it, OTAs, mini camps, preseason. If things go well. You know, you can be, like, happy. Um, it doesn't mean that's not going to happen in the regular season, but it also doesn't it's... mean it is going to happen, right? But if everything is going wrong, and I think that when we were talking about this before, uh, 
last year, when we came into this exact same situation, everything we heard every day out of OTAs was, man, if those defensive linemen could hit Justin Fields, he would be dead almost every play. And, man, these wide receivers can't catch. And it was like, well, you know, it's early, and, you know, they're getting used to the offense and all that. But guess what happened during the season? Wide receivers couldn't catch. Our offensive line couldn't block. Yeah. Uh, a guy um, that I follow him on Twitter. He follows me on Twitter. We've talked a couple times. Um, Zach Pearson, he covers the Bears for Bear Report, which is part of 247 Sports. So he's a credentialed media person that covers the Bears. And he talked about this a little bit where he was like, last year he was like, if you if you told the truth, Bears fans got really mad because last offseason, I mean, yep. you and I were, you and I, I mean, I, I spent, you aren't on Twitter, but I especially, I as a Bears fan on Twitter, who was realistic about that roster last offseason, it was hard on those streets, my friend. Like, people were mad. There there are people who, now, of course, now they deny it. Nowadays, the, these are the people who I argued with earlier in the offseason because they were like, this was always a four-year rebuild. You can't expect yeah. anything of this team in 2023. They, they flipped entirely. But last last year, the, the narrative from, from a large part of Bears Twitter was... Um, just changing schemes means Justin Fields is going to be better. The real problem was Matt Nagy. This yeah. offense has actually got secret talent. Dante Pettis is asleep again. There is one gentleman who I will not name by name because when I made fun of him, his people came at me. But there was one gentleman who referred to Darnell Mooney and Amir Marset, or Amir Smith Marset, and Valus Jones and Equinemius St. Brown, all those folks, as the Legion of Zoom. Last year, uh, <laughs> I remember that. I remember that, one, that very that one well. <laughs> really. Yeah. Anyways, what I was saying is Zach Pearson was like, if you told the truth about that offense last year, Bears fans got really mad at you because they really wanted to have hope. But he was like, but it was very obvious, very early on. Like, there are not NFL players on this roster. I was reminded. I don't make a Bulls reference very often. I'm not a person who watches the Bulls, but I have to. I have to believe it was kind of like was it Brooks Lopez? Was that the guy? Uh, Brooke Lopez, yeah. Brooke Lopez. Bulls. Okay, there we it go. Was, uh, it was Robin on the Bulls. Robin Lopez. Yep. Okay. So I have to assume it was like that quote where Robin Lopez like knew he was in trouble when he was looking around at Bulls practice and he was like, oh my God, am I the best player here? Yeah. Yeah. I have to, <laughs> right. I have to imagine... I have to imagine Equinemius St. Brown, if he's self-aware at all, was like looking around at Bears OTAs last year and, and camp and stuff and he was like, oh man, am I... Am I the second best wide receiver here? Mm-hmm. Is that he is, is that really uh, happening? So ESB and I know, I know Rudy. I know you're out there, man. I know you don't like him, but if you've ever heard him uh, and his brother interview people, they did an interview with Darnell Mooney here last week. Uh, Equinemius is very self-effacing. Uh, he seems like a pretty cool guy, and I think he would yeah. think that exact same thing. Like, oh my god, do they expect me yeah. to be the guy? Yeah. Well, there was a, there was a, I, I, you mentioned him, him and his brother's podcast. There was one they did, I think shortly after the Dolphins came last year, where Amon Ra was like, yeah, no, I mean, Fields is, I think he needs some more help from his wider receiver, yeah. if you ask me. <laughs> and Equinemius was like, I don't, I don't want to get into that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, so basically, like, OTAs, as far as the offense goes, like, you're not going to glean anything insightful from what they do good. 
uh, you might glean something from if they're consistently bad. And so the best thing we can say right now is nobody walked away from Bears OTAs on offense yesterday horrified, which is a huge improvement. So exciting there. Um, as far as a meaty, a meaty quote, if you will, mm-hmm. um, Justin spoke about Chase Claypool and, and was praising how far he's come along since last year and how they've worked together and how they're trying to work him into the offense more. And it was all very positive. And Justin, you know, we know Justin, he's a pretty carefully managed dude. But he made a comment, and he specifically said the change in his attitude. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of spicy for Justin. Um, So do you, how do you feel about him talking about Chase Claypool's attitude change? Uh, so, yeah, not to bury the lead too much, but I, we both have some information that Chase is maybe, he's maybe not a bro. He's maybe not a bro uh, in the sense that you want a wide receiver to be. He, it seems like if we're giving him the benefit of the doubt, he is a very introverted guy. And yeah. he does not necessarily want to socialize with other people. Um, it, like, we heard that. Didn't hear anything else about it, but man, to hear Justin come out, and when you told me this is what he said, I went and looked at the quote, and I thought, maybe he just buried it in there. No, that is like what he shot straight at. He said, Chase, it's great. I love his change in attitude. He went for it right away, and I'm like, maybe getting together with all those wide receivers in the offseason, maybe they pulled him out of his shell a bit, and you know everybody is getting on the same page. Uh, but yeah, God, I... I hope that doesn't rub Chase the wrong way that the first thing he said is I don't, he's not being a dick. <laughs> so I don't think it will because I, I definitely think – I actually almost – so I have heard that I, – I have heard that Fields, Moore, and Claypool, those three have been working out together pretty much since the trade happened, since mm-hmm. Moore was acquired. Like those three, Chase has been there for all of it. He is dedicated. I mean, and, and I don't think Chase Claypool is an idiot. I really don't. Um no. I know he's, I mean, immature, maybe. I mean, I, I, the other thing I remember is, I mean, these these guys are all young. They they, they are all so young. Um, he, I mean, he entered the league in, what, 2020? So he, he's, what, 24 years old, 25 years old? Um, but I don't think he's stupid. And this this is a guy that knows, like, this is the year. This is your contract year. This year defines your career. If you go out and you have even 800 yards... Especially when, when we see how few talented wide receivers reach free agency. You have a chance to either get an extension from the Bears, or you have a chance to hit free agency as the closest thing to a number one wide receiver that, that hits free agency these days. Yep. You can make, you can get a multi-year contract, you can make life-changing money. Or, you can, you can piss and moan, you can be wide receiver four, you can get 400 yards, and you can sign, you know, four or five one-year deals for non-guaranteed money for the rest of your career and then fizzle out. So, I mean, he is at a crossroads. I think he's smart enough to realize that, smart enough that he has to play well. It's it's great to hear that he and Moore and Justin are all working together. Um, and we know Justin, I mean, Mooney obviously isn't quite back on the field yet. We know Justin has that rapport with Mooney. We're not worried about developing that chemistry. So it's good to know that the, it's probably maybe better for Claypool that, that, that Mooney isn't in there right now. Yep. And he can really get that attention along with more. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to upset Claypool. I would have to think that just the way Justin does think about these things, the way he's so guarded about it, I would have to think Claypool knew that was coming, and I, and I almost think he maybe wanted 
Justin to put out there, like, yeah, maybe the last time you saw this guy, he was sulking, but trust me, that's not what's happening anymore. Yeah, I think um, Justin has that same kind of mindset of, like, a Michael Jordan or a Jimmy Butler, you know, a Peyton Manning or something like that. He is completely focused on winning the game. He has seen how the other guys do it, and we saw it with even last offseason. It was him and Komet and Mooney, right? We just heard about it all offseason. These guys have been working out together. These guys are constantly together. They're trying to build a rapport. It's that kind of thing uh, that Justin is going to want to do, and I could just see him just dragging Claypool out of his shell. Like, you're going to come with me? And I'm sure somewhere in there he was like, look, dude, like, we have to get along. You at least have to, you know, talk to me. Uh, we have to be teammates in this. So I'm sure if, I guess I'm not sure, but I'm hoping that they've already had this discussion, right? Where he's like, man, you're different now. Like, first, we weren't getting along, but we're getting along now. This is very cool. So when he said he's glad that his attitude changed, Chase can take that as a positive because they've already spoken about it. I'm hoping it wasn't just like out of left field where it's uh, uh, Chase takes offense. But, yeah, like you said, I don't think he will, but uh, it is probably the spiciest thing Justin has said, right? It, is, it really is. I mean, it's, yeah. So that one, it, it stood out to me because I was not expecting Justin to... I, to be honest, I almost never actually pay attention to things Justin Fields says. Like, he, he's had a handful of quotes that I found interesting. Like, the one that you pointed out one time where he talked about learning that that every yard was important, that third and eight in the NFL was so different from third and eight in college. Right. Um, that was an interesting quote that he gave one time. But, like, nor, most of the time, like, I will skim Justin Fields' comments because he is so guarded and he he knows what, he knows how to, he knows how to, to play, to play the quarterback game with the media. He's right. savvy like that in a way that, um... Certain other, you know, pouty, non-children vaccinating Bears quarterbacks of your quarterbacks. Maybe, maybe we'll talk about next yeah. week uh, in the yeah, Bears might... tournament. Yeah. Oh, good pitch. Good pitch. Oh, yeah. Good, yeah. good job playing that in there. That's right, folks. That is coming up next week. We are going to start the Bad Bears tournament. I hope you'll stick around for that because I can assure you, um, the thing that we are probably best at is talking about shitty Bears football players. It's, that, this is where we were born. We were molded by it. Yes. Uh, Remember, we were all born after 1985. We yeah. have no recollection of any sort of Super Bowl for the Bears, so all we know uh, is, is shit Bears. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, um, there, there were two other things I, I wanted to talk about for OTAs. I don't know if you had anything else. I'm going to bring up the first one, uh, because it's one more offensive player we're going to talk about, and then the second one, I think... Can, can lead us into the defensive roster breakdown if we want to go that route. Um, okay, all right. So, Nate Davis was not there at OTAs. Uh-huh. Did that bother you at all? Uh, you- so, initially, I had an issue with it because you would like to have the entire offensive line there. But Well, and in the context, in the context, because we talked about this when he was signed, we had heard Mike Vrabel did not like this dude, did not right. think he was committed. So That's it, right. You, you can maybe see where that that was why Mike Vrabel was why he was about it. So I, maybe, um, but the comments that came out afterwards uh, from Flus and the other guys were not that like there was anything wrong. It was that there were some guys who had personal issues, who had conflicts, who had family issues going on. They just weren't going to be coming in. The one guy 
who we know isn't in that situation, the one guy who we know why he's not there, uh, Jalen Johnson, they specifically talked to that. They specifically spoke to why he wasn't there. I don't think Nate is just out here like, ah, I don't give a shit, I'm not going to come to OTAs. They are voluntary. Flus was like, man, they don't have to come. Like, whatever. And for offensive linemen especially, this probably doesn't matter. For a guy who is as good at right guard as he is as Nate Davis, this probably doesn't yeah. matter. So I'm not going to freak out about it. Yeah, I'm not going to. It, it doesn't. It doesn't really bother me either. I, I obviously would prefer he be there, but yeah, I mean, sure. Speaking of offensive linemen and OTAs, by the way, where they're not allowed to make contact, um, Jordan Love. Oh, I knew you had to talk about Jordan. Supposedly Love. <laughs> had a very rough first day of OTAs. At one point, he was he was three for twelve, which. Hilarious that a person is, is is keeping a stat sheet for OTAs, anyways. Um, but it, the article written about it was really funny too, because it was like in his defense, he was missing his two starting left or his left tackle and his left guard, and I was yeah. like, it's it is OTAs. It's a non-contact practice. It's a practice in shorts. It shouldn't matter if there are five trash cans lined up against him. Are we really doing? The his offensive line wasn't present. That's right. Um, and so again, I mean, it is one bad OTA. We can't put a fork in the Jordan Love era in Green Bay just from that. Um, we can have fun with it though, uh, yeah. because on the other hand, that. that's exactly what we've said or, for every other terrible quarterback in OTAs we've ever had. So that's true. Well, and yeah, I mean, and we'll see if it's like I said. I, I think everybody has a bad practice or two, but if it, if it's consistent theme, I will I will warn the Green Bay fans now. If it is a consistent theme, if every report you hear out of OTAs is eh, Jordan Love looked a little rough, and if you hear in camp like eh, wasn't very great. Um, and, if anyone doesn't have that excuse anymore, even for a guy coming into his first year starting, it has to yeah. be Jordan Love. Right? Is, he's been his, in that offense for years. It is his four, He's entering his fourth year in the system. And also, the year that Rodgers was off doing Ayahuasca with Secret Life of the American Teenager Girl, um, <laughs> I feel like she's been in other stuff since then, but I don't, for some reason, I, that's why. I think of her as uh, the Fault in Our Stars lady. Uh, oh yeah, okay. I never saw that movie. Um, Shy Shailene Woodley. Yeah, yeah. She, she went Woodley like mode. Um, Whatever. Anyways, yeah. The year that Rogers was off doing all that and bitching about you know his feelings, um, Love got all the number one reps that off season as well. So I mean, this yeah. is this is a dude who has does not have the. I mean, when when the I I agree. When the bullets start flying for real in a, in a regular season game, there is no substitute for live reps. I will even give the kid a little bit of rust uh, in live action for you know for a game or two. But at OTAs in his fourth year in the system, he should look pretty goddamn crisp executing that shit. I'll Absolutely, that. absolutely. But yeah. Anyways, uh, the next guy. Yeah, you you brought up Jalen a little bit, and yeah, I have no problem with a guy. And I think he's going to report to camp. He'll report for all the mandatory stuff. I have no problem with a guy like Jalen using whatever tool. I mean, both sides are completely understandable here. Jalen once deserves a new contract. He should use every resource he's got available to him in order to get that. Meanwhile, the Bears, they don't really have a good reason to give it to him right now because here's the thing with Jalen, and here's the thing with cornerbacks in general. Um, 
Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. He's their cap guy. He's their analyst. I was talking to him, and he, he said um, the same thing. He was like, at corner right now, if you look at corner contracts throughout the NFL, there is like, there is the shutdown corner contract right now, which is like $20 million a year. And then there is the solid starter corner contract, which is like $12 million a year. And there's not a lot in between that. You don't find a lot of corners making fifteen, sixteen a year. It is you yeah. are you are paid like a star or you are paid like a guy. And I, I I'm thinking the Bears right now are pointing to the games that Jalen has missed, and he's missed games in every single season of his career. And they are pointing to the fact that he tends to start strong every year and then fade down the stretch in addition to the injuries. And they are saying, We like you, we think you're a starter, we would like to pay you like a guy. And Jalen is looking at the games where he has been a shutdown corner and then months were, and he is saying, I believe I can be that number one dude. Um, so I, I think both sides are far apart. I don't think you'll see a contract extension happen um, until Jalen really starts to ball out the regular season and stays healthy. But I, at the same time, I don't blame him right now for, you know, abstaining from the things he can abstain from. I do think if he, goes the training camp holdout route, like if he goes full Roquan on the situation, I think that's a mistake in his part. I really don't think he has the leverage even that Roquan had in that situation to be a guy that the NFL is going to be like, oh, we're going to trade for that guy if he can't work something out for the Bears. It's it's not going to happen. So Boy, I, I guess... Uh, see, we didn't talk about Jalen at all during the week, and that was very calculated on my part, but it sounds like we need to start talking about the defense... And even though uh, quarter probably is the spot I wanted to start, that let's well, let's, start, let's we'll talk start, about Jalen. Let's start man. with the secondary. Yeah, let's talk about Jalen. Uh, I'm going to split the safeties and the corners because I think the situation is very different between the two. Okay. Uh, but Jalen Johnson is where we have to start, right? He is our number one corner. Uh, in looking at everything from the past few seasons with Jalen, um, looking through PFF, looking through old footage. Um, I just don't see him as a shutdown corner. I, do you agree? Do you disagree? I don't think he's ever in a game been a shutdown corner. I think he's very good. He is a solid corner. But I don't put him anywhere near the level of like a Darrell Rivas sort of guy or something like that. Uh, like, Darrell <laughs> <laughs> you just get casually named like the best shutdown corner in the fucking history of the NFL. I agree, man. I take he is. That's he the is, money. That's the money he's going to ask for, right? Is, I mean, I think you could at least compare him to like a Kurt. I mean, hold on, let me look at. So, I, who do you want to compare him to? This is this is what I want. I want to know who you think he is comparable to. The cap. Uh, let's all right. Let's look at current. Because, like you said. I, this is something that I was looking at as well. The top corners in the league get huge deals. So the, once so you the, get down to a guy who produces like Jalen actually produces, he's going to get like half of that. Right. Are so, smart. Yeah, so here's the thing. There are three corners that make $20 million a year on AAV. Yeah. There's Jair Alexander, and I would agree. He has not performed to the level that Jair Alexander has. Um. There's Denzel Ward, uh, again, who is not Darrell Revis, but is a very solid cornerback. Sure. Probably a better guy to compare someone like Jalen to. You that's fucking drop. 
You fucking dropped Darrell Revis on this poor man. Look, look I'm saying he doesn't have to be Darrell Revis, but you know what I mean when I say shut down corner. Yeah. You're talking Jaylen, about three dudes. Yeah. Three dudes and then in Jalen Ramsey. Range, right? so, and then there's, yeah, and then Marlon Humphrey is 19.5, Marshawn Lattimore 19.4, and then there's really only three other guys even above 15, and then everyone else is under 15. Um, you get a lot of guys in that 10, 11, you know. Um, I think, like, uh... Yeah, like like James Bradbury is a guy. You know, he, he got twelve point six a year, so that I think is the range where that I see James Bradbury sounds right to me. Yeah, yeah, a solid starter. Exactly. He has weeks where he flashes that upset, and 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 that, uh, to be honest, I think that is one hundred percent what the Bears are saying right now. That's probably the offer that the Bears have made him, and I think Jalen is saying, "I know I can be better than that." So. I don't blame I don't blame him for sitting out OTAs and mini camps. That's that's just standard. If you're a guy who wants a new contract, he should not hold out of training camp. You are not that dude. You have not proven you are that dude. I think that the most likely scenario for both parties here is that this guy plays it out this year. And if he has that, if he has a year where he is just a solid starter, I think he and the Bears both will understand. Like, okay, dude, you're you're getting James Bradbury money. Um, if he has that year. Where maybe he does go Darrell Revis on <laughs> Darrell God damn, man. Hey man. Okay, but if he has that if he has if he's healthy for seventeen games, if he if he I mean I actually I do disagree with you a little bit. There I think there, I'm trying to pull it up on PFF, but there was a stretch there at the start of the twenty twenty one season. Um okay. for about six to eight weeks there where I think he really played like a top ten guy, and then as we have seen with him the shoulder flared up again. He had another thing. And then he fell off very hard from there. But I do think there was a stretch of about two months there uh, in 2021 where he, he really did look fantastic. Um, and I'm sure he's he's grading to the flash on himself. He's looking at that. He's like, I know that's the dude. There's a bunch of other bullshit that's gotten in the way, but that's the guy I can be. And the Bears rightfully are saying, like, we, we'd love to see it, man. You show that to us for sixteen games, and and we'll talk. So I don't blame I don't blame Jalen for sitting out of this. I don't think he should sit out of camp. Not that I blame dude. I didn't blame Roquan last year for sitting out of camp. I do think there are dudes like you have that leverage. You are that caliber of player. Absolutely, like like T Higgins of the Bengals. I think that one's coming. Yeah. Um, and that is a dude that like hell yeah, you sit out of training camp because you're. I mean, if you're T Higgins, you're sitting there right now and you're saying, look, if you won't pay me. Someone else out there will give up a first-round pick, and they will pay me. I know that. Yeah, Jalen Johnson, I don't think there's that team is out there. It's not going to happen. Nobody is no. going to offer a pick for Jalen in his current situation that's worth more to that's worth more to the Bears than just having Jalen on a one-year deal. So, um, yeah, it's uh, not. It's not that. Another team wouldn't be excited to have Jalen Johnson, but um, nobody's but they, gonna. But yeah. it's not going to change anything for you, yeah, right? They've like got a solid second corner, probably for yeah, a team they're, that's trading. For. They're going to be as they're going to be as hesitant to pay him as the Bears currently are. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah anyway, so, so transition just from Jalen to looking at at the, this corner room. Um, so Jalen, I I do think is solid starter. You, you, you don't. You, you pencil him in as a starter, you don't worry about it. Shutdown guy, no, but also, I mean, as we talked about when we talked about the draft and why I didn't understand why pe- some people kept mocking, like, Christian Gonzalez to the Bears, this is not a scheme 
that has ever really asked for a Darrell Revis type. Yep. You know, Charles Tillman is obviously the ideal, um, and I would argue that Tillman at his peak was, you know, we would agree, it was that was a Hall of Fame corner. Right, we saw um, the guys that Tillman shut down at his peak. Right. The best wide receivers, you know, a few of the best wide receivers in NFL history, so we had a right. pretty good corner. But at the same time, we, we have also seen that same scheme thrive without a Charles Tillman type sure. corner. You know, we have seen it with, you know, you, you, you there are a lot of Tim J. If you look at the history of the Tampa 2 scheme, you know, and, and the corner they've had, people think of Rondé Barber and they think of Charles Tillman, and, and that's true, there are those guys. But there are also dudes, you know, Rock Yassin with Fluss in Indianapolis. Yep. There are um, Tim Jennings types. There are Nathan Vashers. It is, it is. It, R.W. It is, the quarters? Yeah, no, he was so bad that Lovey got rid of him. He, he was there for one year, and Lovey was like, no, 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 not you. Not you. Because, I mean, and this is a scheme that, honestly, like they, they it's not that coverage isn't important. They will ask their corners to cover. Um, but it, it's almost as, it's as important that their corners tackle, that their corners play the run. Um, you know, and they're asking them to play a lot of zone. Would you say uh, that their corners are about 6 feet tall, 205 pounds, and have long arms? Maybe yeah. young, maybe young, maybe we have two of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, um, so yeah, Jalen's a solid starter, no doubt about that. The rest of the unit is, as as you would expect from a Ryan Pohl, a unit that's now been almost entirely overhauled by Ryan Poles. Mm-hmm. Um, it is long on athleticism, and it is short on experience. How, yeah. how are we feeling about the rest of these corners, Travis? I have to say, man, I felt a lot better having only watched um, Kyler Gordon last year, and I felt a lot less confident going over his numbers and the advanced stats of the PFF stuff uh, yeah. because some of that, some of that is a bit of a mess. It, right? it is a it is a rough it is a rough go if you but are if you are looking at you mentioned you mentioned last year there were flashes. Um, not just for Jalen Johnson, but for this entire corner group, uh, where they just could completely shut guys down. They flummoxed Aaron Rodgers. Um, they they had like a four-game stretch in there where everything was clicking, and the Bears' secondary suddenly looked like transcendent. And I think that may have may have blinded me a little bit to you know Kyler Gordon having a pretty miserable season overall. He he did yes. I, I will say this, and it's not a it is not a huge defense of the kid, um, and I have my doubts about Kyler, for sure. But through the first, I want to say four weeks of the season, um, Kyler Gordon was let's see here out of I'm going to go with qualified corners. So there's 187 qualified corners. Uh, Kyler was where are you at, Kyler? Kyler was number one hundred and eleven, hmm. um, at with a thirty four point five grade. Uh, Good, and, and people I know people don't love PFF grades, and you know sometimes I don't love them either. So just looking more specifically at their coverage stats. So through the first four games of the season, Kyler was targeted twenty seven times. He gave up twenty completions. That is a lot of targets for three hundred and thirty-five yards. So seventeen yards per catchables. That's that. That's what you might call bad. Um, And yeah, he it did not look good. Um, But if you move, if you drop those first three weeks, and you just look at Kyler for the rest of the season, 
leaves. Now, hold on, I gotta, you gotta manually click on every single leak. It, that's the most annoying thing about PFF, besides some of the people who work there. Uh, <laughs> that is accurate. So, if you go, if, if you do that, then, if you just look at the rest of the season, drop those first four games, Kyler comes in at... Do, do, do. Where you at, Kyler? Come on. I should have just written this down when I did it a couple weeks ago. This is what I get for not doing the notes. Yeah. So he improved to a 51 overall grade, which is still pretty bad, but um, the yards per reception that he was allowing cut down severely. The yak that he was allowing cut down severely, um, especially if you look at just the just the second half of this season. He got much better. He, he, he was still average at best, but I mean, average is a huge improvement from literally, like, maybe the worst corner in the NFL. He did get yeah. better as the year went along. And one of the guys that I noticed that, you know, that finished very similarly grade-wise is Derek Stingley in Houston, who was a very high pick last year. He was the second corner taken after Sauce, was he not? Um, played in a similar scheme in Houston. Obviously, you know, we Lovey was there. We know what scheme Lovey runs. Um, and he struggled, too. And, 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 and one of the things, the defenses that Eberflus keeps making of Kyler Gordon um, is that he was asked to play, he was asked to play nickel and outside at times because of all the injuries they had. Um, and that nickel in their system is very difficult. It is a mentally demanding position. Um, and it's a very hard thing for, to ask a rookie to come in and play. So... If you want to make the optimist case for Kyler Gordon, he got better as the year went along. He didn't improve to good, but he did get markedly better as the year went along. This year, with the additions they made, you would hope that he would be allowed to play nickel and nickel only, not be back moved back and forth. Because you would think, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but you would think Tyreek Stevenson's probably their other outside corner now this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and maybe if Tyreek Stevenson gets injured, you would see either Kendall Vildor or um, Terrell Smith step in as that other outside guy. Just leave yep. Kyler. So Kyler will have a year of experience. We'll hopefully get to stay at, in one position instead of being moved around. And like I said, he did get better as the year went along. Now, if you ask me overall, like, am I, what is the percentage I am assigning to my confidence level? And Kyler Gordon becoming like like a, if if not great a solid starter this year, I would still say I'm like maybe fifty five percent of the way there. I I think there is also the distinct possibility that he's just not good because um, yep. the rough moments were really fucking bad. You can't sugarcoat it. Um, I did try to make the optimist case there, but the pessimist case is that like really like when he was bad, he was the worst fucking corner in the NFL. Yeah. Um. But I do think he'll be better. I do think. He should be. I, I I feel more likely than not that he will be at least an average nickel corner. Does that feel like kind of a rich use of a second round pick? Yes, it does. Uh, especially given some other needs on the roster they had last year. I may ne- may never make complete peace with that pick, but I do think he will be a contributor this year for sure. I do think he will be better than he was. Uh, it's just a question of how much better. Yep. Yeah, I think um, just as as Bears 
fans and as the Bears organization has had a problem with this in the past, we see a guy go from being just absolute rancid garbage to being mediocre. And we say, wow, that guy showed improvement, big improvement throughout the year, which Kyler Gordon did. However, we have before been stuck with those guys, like Sam Mustafer, uh, who just don't develop after that. And there is the chance that this is just kind of it for Kyler Gordon, that he's not really going to get better, that he's always going to be this guy who blows coverages. Um I mean, last year he was a rookie. Like you said, rookie corners tend to struggle, and the ones that don't tend to be Sauce Gardner. They tend to be guys who you say, that guy's a freak. He's going to be a pro bowler for years. You know, if they don't struggle right out of the gate. Corner is a hard position in the NFL, especially coming from whatever you were doing in college. Massive difference. Um, And especially, like you said, for Kyler, moving inside, moving outside, it's not what he wanted to do. Everybody was getting hurt last year. Sometimes he was lining up against the other team's best receiver, and that was not fair to him. Um, so I have hope there. Um, but yeah, I'm not like I'm not going to be the guy who holds on to him. Like I would kick him to the curb if he sucks for the first eight games, because not only does Flus keep talking about Tyreek Stevenson, my God, will he not stop bringing up Tyrell Smith unprompted? Um, and I looked into him. I remember Tyrell uh, because I just see Minnesota play constantly. Uh, and wow, you hid the loathing so well there. Yeah. <laughs> that was one would, would people that didn't know you would think that you just talk about Minnesota football like a normal human being. That's incredible. That's right. I'm impressed. That's right. Uh, yeah, no, I just walked right past it. Uh, but Tyrell, he's a very good corner. Um, I went in, I looked at is, all of his shit is, is from last year. Is there a reason year. why you're pronouncing it Tyrell? Is it Tyrell? It sure looks like it's Tyrell. Is it Tyrell? It, it, T-E-R-E-L-L. I, I have always assumed that that was Tyrell. All right, Tyrell as Smith. In, as an Owens, you know, or, or whomever. So, okay, Tyrell, Tyrell Smith. Is, Tyrell is fine. If it's Tyrell, if we find that out later, I'm going to make fun of you forever. Uh, but, yeah, basically, the thing that I wanted to bring up is that Tyrell, not only was he a bargain in the fifth round, and usually I don't like to talk about fifth-round picks, but he had a third-round grade coming into the draft. He's basically Tyreek Stevenson, but slightly, just like, just a little bit worse. The only difference is that Tyreek Stevenson had the opportunity to play, like, a really good offense and got burned. Um, Terrell didn't. Minnesota just didn't play a good passing offense last year, but he was strong in every game that he had. They are the same height, they are the same weight. They have similar arm legs. They both play physically against the run. Um, they both really fit what this defense wants. Uh, and so you mentioned that Tyreek Stevenson is probably playing on the outside. Maybe Terrell is going to come in for him if that doesn't work out. Maybe Kyler Gordon's going to have to watch out for Terrell uh, with the way that Flus just will not stop talking about him without people asking about him. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I I think Tariq Stevenson's definitely going to be the outside guy. I do think Terrell Smith will push quickly. I, I just, I do think he... I, but what is weird to me is, it, there. yeah, there are a lot of people who seem like of the two corners, uh, at least the draft Knicks, like the, the deep in the weeds draft Knicks, honestly, a lot of them seem to think that Terrell Smith is the one more ready to play, like yep. more ready to start than Tariq. So I guess we'll see how that goes. Um Obviously, higher a lot higher draft capital invested in Tyreek than 
then Smith, I would assume he gets his chance to start quicker. Um, but yeah, I do like that they are bigger, more athletic dudes. Uh, they're, they are hopefully done with the Kindle Vildor experiment regardless. Not, yeah. and not that, not that Vildor, uh, Vildor, I think is a dude who as your fourth corner is, is pretty good, who has been by necessity miscast as, as corner two for two years now. And it, it's been ugly. The results have been ugly. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, Definitely body type wise, athleticism wise, Stevenson and Smith both kind of fit the system better. Um, now, with the caveat there, uh, which I, it was hard for Gordon as a rookie playing corner, it, it will probably be hard for these guys. As yeah, corner. there there will be bumps. It it it, it is not going to be easy. But at the same time, uh, well, so we'll go back to the offense. What we're doing with the offense. Uh, so the corner position the corner room do you feel better about the same or worse with this unit than you did last year so you'd have to say better because we've only really added right we had right yeah right but i don't i don't personally expect better production out of any of the rookies than we got out of elder last year so it really depends can Jalen stay healthy and prove that he is a, a true number one corner? And can Kyler Gordon right actually be a good corner? If they can right. do that, then yeah, yeah I think it, I think it is far year. more likely. Uh, sorry, folks, I keep yawning, but my my child woke in the middle of the night last night, and and I had to deal with that, and so I am running on fumes here. Um, no, I, I I agree. I think. Whether or not this is a better unit for for twenty twenty three. Now, I think with the talent they've added, I think the twenty twenty four Bears really should have a solid corner room. Um, but I think if the unit's going to be better in twenty twenty three, it's going to have a lot more with what Kyler Gordon does than with what Tyreek Stevenson and Terrell Smith do. As interesting as I find them, and I do think they will they will have their moments, and hopefully neither of them will will be quite as bad as Kyler was in his worst moments last year. Right. But I don't think you can count on them. I think, yeah, what you said, Vild- you know, Vildor was a below-average starter. He was not an abysmal starter, but he was a below-average starter. And I think it, it is hard to expect two rookies to be anything more than, at best, below-average, if not, hor- you know, just not horrible. Uh, so, yeah, I think Kyler Gordon, the whole unit hinges on him there. Um, yep. And then, yeah, or a Jalen Johnson injury, one Jalen injury, and we're right back where we were last year. Yeah, honestly. and and uh, you know, history tells us that a Jalen Johnson injury will will happen. It's just a question of is it is it a minor one or or or, or something worse. So uh, yeah, and then I think moving then into from corner into safety. Uh, See, at least it's different, much different. At least I as far as your least voice as, got higher, right? At least as far as the two. At least as far as the two starters, I honestly got off the top of my head, could not tell you who the two the likely backups are um, at safety right now. But as far as the two starters, I don't know that I feel better about any starting unit, if we're counting just safeties by themselves as a unit, on defense than I do feel about the two safeties. I guess the linebackers, too. We'll, we'll, they're, yep. that looks, but yeah, the two safeties, Eddie... Um, I think people forget because he got hurt and he missed, and the rest of the defense was asked. 
people Jackson. forget about Eddie. Eddie was fantastic last yeah. year, and I'm not surprised. I talked about this last year. Um, I wish we had had this podcast last year. No, I don't. God, it would have been such a grind to cover every one of those losses yes, as they happened. But I would like it on record that I, I did predict pretty good things for Eddie, John, Eddie Jackson in this scheme. He is exactly the kind of safety um, that you think of when you think of the Tampa 2 and you think of those guys who have a nose for turnovers. Yep. Um, yeah, so I'm not not surprised that Eddie was fantastic in this role last year. And if Eddie can stay healthy with Brisker next to him and Brisker was solid, should be even better in year two. Very much think that is a solid starter duo, excited for the things those two safeties can do for sure. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this might be the most reliable unit that we've got. Um, Eddie Jackson, just he is the, the the Mike Brown type of dude, right? He's the guy you want to see in this defense, and he proved it. And Brisker, yeah, Brisker wasn't, uh, uh, he was good. He was as solid as Jalen Johnson was at quarter, I would say. Yeah. And he has, he has room to improve. If he yeah. takes the jump you normally see from year one to year two, he's a top-tier safety in the league, yeah. so... Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't I'm not gonna spend that much time on safety because yeah, I think we have safety locked out. Yep. And I think I'm not gonna spend that much time on linebacker. We can move into linebacker. Um, this should be a, a good linebacker. Now I will say I still have some a little bit of concerns about the linebackers when it comes to defending the run because uh, mm-hmm. the one thing. Oh my god, Jermaine Edmonds. I drink some coffee, man. Come on. I know, Jesus. The one thing Jermaine Edmonds does not really do super well, um, he was fantastic in coverage this year, just an elite coverage linebacker this season. This season only, don't as we talked about, don't look before the season. Yeah, But he, he's still not a downhill thumper um, in the run game, which I know when he was signed, a lot of people expected him to slot in as the will because, we you know, the Briggs backer, the Derek Brooks backer, um, oh, God, the guy in... Uh, Darius Leonard in Indianapolis. People expect that to be the marquee linebacker in this scheme. Um, but that position is more of a downhill thumper in the run game. You are looking for a dude that, that slices through and makes those tackles in the run game. Um, and I, I said, I thought Edmonds would be the Mike because I think they're thinking of, you know, the Erlacher type yeah, dude. Uh, absolutely. In the middle, that what they want him to do is range sideline to sideline in the middle and just erase tight ends. Um, which I think he will do very well, assuming, like I said, last year was not a fluke in coverage, and I really don't think it was. Um, I am still a little concerned about him and Edwards both in, in terms of run defense a little bit. But yeah, the, the three of them should be should be a very solid linebacker unit. Feel good about the safeties, feel good about the linebackers. Uh, obviously, I think we then move into... Uh, to, to finish I, things just, off, you just skipping right past the linebackers for me. I man, I, You'd say I, what you want about what is there to say? What is there to say? Say what you want. I we have a bunch of new guys at linebacker, and you're like, yeah, we don't have to talk about them. I I don't know. Well, we kind of t- guys. We kind of talked about them when they were signed. Is the thing. Yeah. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about Tremaine Edmonds. I don't know what I got what. What I got left to say. Yeah, like about you said, Tremaine Edmonds. I, Tremaine Edmonds is going to cover the middle of the field. He's definitely going to be there to play pass defense. Um, you know, we're going to talk about the defensive line here in a minute, which we've saved for last for a reason. But that line is clearly being asked to stop the run, 
we are not asking our linebackers to stop the run here. So Edmonds is going to be covering the pass. Like you said, the reason Edwards is playing where he is is because we're expecting him to be the guy who will fill the hole appropriately on a run play, not necessarily make that stop. But I mean, you, you always hole. want a guy who will fill the hole appropriately. You love no filling the hole. And then I think yeah. we're all kind of assuming the other linebacker will be Jack Sanborn. And the thing that Jack is good at um, that we noticed last year, I think everybody noticed last year, is he's always in the right spot. Um, so uh, he's going to be like a, a decent run stopper, but he's always going to be in that hole. We are, however, going to be relying on the defensive line to, to stop that run. Uh, but yeah, against the pass, against the pass, this linebacking core is absolutely aces. If teams are going to yeah. try to throw into this, uh, like tight ends, any team who is going to try to get it to their tight end consistently, get it to their running back consistently, is absolutely screwed against the Bears, which is great. Yeah, yeah it's it's clear that you know you know the the axiom is that you obviously you build the defense front to back is what people mm-hmm. always say. You build your defensive line, and then um, but the Bears obviously, I think they're looking at uh, that really only works as a strategy if you can put your premium resources, your premium draft picks into the defensive line. Sure. Um, which, you know, for obvious reasons, last year they didn't have a first-round pick. This year they needed to use that first-round pick on an offensive tackle, as we covered why they needed to do that. But then that left them, you know, with a couple late seconds. Um, and they did take two defensive tackles, but neither of them, um, you know, it was an edge. Neither of them is the kind of guy that you expect to be an immediate dominant pass rushing force um and so what they have tried to do is say like okay we yeah in theory you want to build the defense front to back um but if we don't if we can't do that we can't do that efficiently with the resources we have let's try to build this thing back to front because we can that that's where the players are so they took brisker they took gordon last year um they they've taken tyreek stevenson this year um and they have built a you know, one of the best coverage on paper, at least one of the best coverage units line at linebacker. And so the theory obviously there then is they are hoping that they can buy an extra second or two in coverage to allow a subpar defensive line to get home. Then that is obviously what they are looking for. Um, you know, they kind of, it's like, fine, we, we, we can't just reach and take an edge because we know we need one. History tells you that doesn't work out. If you are not taking an edge high, you're probably you probably shouldn't be taking one at all. It is it's a failed gambit most of the time. So what we can do though is we can get a top five coverage linebacker just right there in free agency because that one of those is available. We can get another top ten coverage linebacker in TJ Edwards because one is available. So what we can do is we can build our coverage unit and we can try to buy the defensive line that we have time. So you I want think to that's talk about that defensive line? I don't know that I really want to, but God knows it must. So <laughs> we gave uh, the Bears time, Kyle. We intentionally started with offense to give them a week to sign yeah. a goddamn defensive end, and they, and didn't, they still didn't do, do it. it. Ryan Poles, the the fucking tease that he is, went on the radio and was like, "Yeah, something could happen at edge." He. He edged us, Travis. I'm edging. He edged. Right we now. are edging. There's no edge. There's no edge. It's supposed to be an edge, Ryan. Where's the edge? We Where? were promised. Jadavian Clowney, he's sitting there. Yannick Ngakwe crying in his edge. kitchen right edge me. now. Carl edge Lawson, where are you at? Chase Young, he's just sitting there being depressed. I yeah. Like, go pick one 
and then we will talk about them. Well, let's so well let, let's not get into who is not on this roster right now. Okay. Let's get into who is on. If this is the unit Jesus that Christ. they are rolling into the regular season with, we are agreed this is still even with the two second round picks. Well, I guess I mean Pickens third round whatever. Uh, we are still of agreement that this is the worst unit on the team, right? Like this is it. It, it, it is the unit you feel the least good about. Yeah, I mean, if you if we count all four of them together, I think that's true. I think if we split it up, I feel a lot better about the interior line than I do the exterior line. Probably because our best exterior linemen right now are probably better suited as interior linemen. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, what do you what do you even say? I do think we have some guys who are better than we had last year, and this is a point that we are going to talk about a lot leading into the season. Our defensive line last year wasn't bad. It wasn't very bad. It was a fucking disaster. It was one of the worst defensive lines I've ever seen. I can't remember the Bears ever having a worse defensive line. Never never the Bears. Even, so, I mean, the years that the Bears have had flat out had terrible defenses are rare in our life. But even if you go back to the last time that the Bears defense just completely fucking collapsed, you know, that 2000... 13, 2000, the, the Tressman defenses. Right. They were yep. really bad. The one thing that those defenses did have is a kind of okay defensive line. It wasn't sure. great, but they had some players like Willie Young. They had, you know, Lamar Houston. They had Jay Ratliff. Like, that was, those were, any one of those guys, if they were at their peak, would be an upgrade right now on this Bears, or would have been an upgrade on last year's Bears defensive line. Easily the worst defensive line I could ever see. So, and, 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 and I even have a hard time really talking myself into the upside for any of these guys right now. Like, Jervin Dexter, um, just oh. a complete... Oh, you want to get your swerve? You mentioned Jervin! Play the uh, fucking music! We're swerving with Jervin. Swerving with fucking Jervin, huh? <laughs> Oh my god, there is... Oh my god, you did a bit! You made it a bit. Oh. Goddamn right. I waited so long for you to say Jervin Dexter to debut the Jervin Dexter. Wow, you made it a bit. The swerving with Jervin theme music. We have a bit now. All right, what's the swerving with Jervin? (laughs) This week, this week in Jervin Dexter, it, it took a little bit for me to find a story, but guys, Jervin... He went up, he hit the sled, and he drove that bitch so hard he almost killed our head coach. He almost killed Everflus. He was almost fucking dead and in the hospital. Jervin Dexter is going to win MVP. All right, Kyle, what were you going to say about Jervin? Okay, I can't say I was blindsided by that because like, you literally joked about about adding like like a theme song for Swervin with Jervin every oh. week. And I was like, ah, what a funny joke by Travis. I didn't actually think you would commit to the bit like that. Um, Dude, I, I waited this whole episode for you to say his wow. name. Wow. Okay, so even with so... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> Fuck, man. Um, no, so German Dexter, complete project. I think... Sure. Zach Pickens, project. Um, I do think those guys will give them something this year. It would be hard to give them less than they got from the defensive linemen that they had last year. But, I mean, again, I don't see... I see a ton of upside in them 
as projects in, in, over their careers, but in year one, I'm just I'm not expecting a lot from either one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in terms of pass rush, I think Jervin because he is strong. I did want to mention. Strong, this. I do think Jervin was a very good run defender in college. I think pass yeah, I rush. Think he, I don't know. And Zach Pickens was a very good pass rusher, at least yep. his final year, in terms of an interior pass rush win weight. Um, but he might have been one of the worst run defending tackles I've ever seen. There you so go. So that's a that is a neat combo we have there between the two of them. Very interesting um, what we've done there. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, Justin Jones, best case scenario, that man is a decent rotational player. As you're starting three technique, he, he's overmatched, and we saw that last year. We might still see that at the beginning of this year. Um, Tremaine Walker, I think, is going to be a pretty solid first and second down player. But I've heard people say, like, oh, on passing situations, he should kick inside to three technique. And I'm like, should he, though? Demarcus, he? you're talking Do we, about. What did I say? Tremaine. Tremaine Walker, where did I? Oh man, I'm so. Demarcus tired. Walker, yeah. Demarcus Walker, people are like he's he should his best position though was a pass rusher is three technique. Go kick inside on passing downs, and I'm like, should he? Should he kick inside on passing downs? Because I I feel like the Bears, as it stands right now, the Bears' best pass rushing combo yeah. might be Walker on the edge still with like Pickens at three technique. I don't know that we have an edge better than him to put in those rotations. And so I guess the best case scenario is like. Travis, I mean, PFF, because they don't count half sacks and stuff. Travis Gibson did technically, according to PFF, have a 10-sack season in 2021. Um, but a lot has changed. God, that feels like an age ago uh, for that guy. A lot has changed since then. He's, he, I mean, he's, he's in a 4-3 defense. He's got his hand in the dirt. He's not a stand-up edge rusher. And the main difference is, um, and, and even last year, in, at the beginning of the season, up until the Robert Quinn trade, he was not, like, amazing, but he was grading out as, like, an average pass rusher until Robert Quinn was gone. Um, and then the minute he had no one to draw attention from him, the minute he saw a double team, he disappeared into oblivion. Um, and so I would love to tell you he'll bounce back this year, but again, Robert Quinn is not walking through that door. Or worst case, maybe he will be, but it wouldn't be the same thing. Because, um, I mean, God, he's still a free agent. Technically could happen, I guess. Um, if it Leonard does Floyd is still a free. I'm just going to keep saying names until Oof, we sign. Lord, um, but yeah, there, there. It's hard for me to to talk myself back into optimism for Travis Gibson because, like, uh, mm-hmm. sure, theoretically, he could bounce back again as a situational edge rusher if he got to play opposite of a guy who drew attention, um, like he did in 2021 when he was either opposite of Mac or opposite of Quinn. Um, but who's that guy that's going to draw attention opposite of him still? They don't have that guy. No. I, I don't think teams are double-teaming DeMarcus Walker. I don't think they're double-teaming Kassem Green. Um, so I, I, I still don't have a ton of faith in a Travis Gibson bounce back. Dominique Robinson, I mean, he had those two sacks in week one. He had one against Trent Williams, of all people. Yep. But then he disappeared for the rest of the season, which is fine. That was a guy who was not supposed to play real snaps last year. He was supposed to get like a redshirt year. This was a convert. I mean, he's a converted running back, right? It was something like that. Converted wide receiver. Uh, yes, Just wide like, receiver, I, I believe. Yeah, like, like Hank Melton in days of yore. Um, a guy who was converted from an offensive skill position to be a defensive lineman. He, he, he was he was a polls guy. It was a bet on athletic traits, but he was never supposed to get real reps. So, 
I guess the other optimistic scenario you could talk themselves into is that DeMar- or is, is that um, Dominique Robinson just has a huge improvement in year two. Just the light goes off and he figures it out. Um, but I'm not really big into betting on a gamble like that either. I just I do not feel good about this edge group. I do agree it's better than what they had last year, and especially I think will be better against the run. But I still just I'm not seeing even even if they and I think they're obviously their answer to a lot of this is going to try to be to rotate guys. They are going to try to mix and match, um, which again is always kind of tricky to do because a lot of times offenses will just they'll just go no huddle then to prevent you from substituting if they figure out that that's your game plan. Um, but also, I just I doesn't matter what rotation I, there's who line. All right, Travis, it's third and nine. You know the opposing offense has to pass. Put Give me your four bitch kitty pass rushers on this Bears defensive line. You have to line up just four guys. The run is not even a consideration. Who are four guys that you are telling to pin their ears back and go after the quarterback? Who are the four guys on this roster you are asking to do I'm, that right now? I'm going to fucking die. Uh, it's going to be it's gonna be Billings at the one technique, first of all, because he's actually a very solid player overall. Um, it's probably Pickens at the three technique, which makes me want to die. It's Demarcus Walker at edge, which is not where he belongs in that situation. And then it's the only other defensive end we have who is worth a, a single shit green at the other spot. And he's not a pass rusher. Uh, we aren't, we, we need another defensive end. We're missing, we're missing at least one defensive end. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. You mentioned it, but it needs to be stressed. We have improved greatly on the defensive line, and that is the terrifying thing about how bad we were last year. Billings, the signing from the Raiders, very low-key signing. I don't even know if people remember we did that. He was a very solid one technique last year, and he has been for a few years now. That guy is, I believe he was 25 full PFF grade points higher than what we had last year. Justin Jones last year was down in the 50s. Our yeah. edge rushers, Travis and Dom, were both in the 40s and 30s. Yeah, Bringing in DeMarcus Walker, DeMarcus Walker is almost, probably is twice as good as either Travis Gibson or Dominique Robinson. And DeMarcus Walker is good. <coughs> He's a good right. guy to have on your defense. I, He's not going to blow anybody away. Green, I, Green is a guy we took off the scrap heap. He played significantly better than Travis Gibson or Don Robinson did. So we've improved greatly, but this is still amazingly the weakest unit right. on this team. Yeah, this this might be, in my opinion, now like the thirty first best defensive line. In the NFL. And that is nonetheless a huge improvement because last year they were 32nd and it wasn't close. The gap between them and 31 last year, probably as big as the gap between 31 and and 20th at least. Like that's how much work. So this this is a bad defensive line, but I think it is a bad NFL defensive line. And last year I don't think I would have even called it that. So it is improved. You would feel so much better about it with just one legitimate edge. I, just this, this Ryan, whole thing we are changed. begging you to edge us. Just edge us, you motherfucker. This whole God, thing we're so thing close. Changes. If I can say Jadavian Clowney's on the other side, 
And then you're like, okay, we've got Billings, we've got Demarcus Walker, maybe we can push one of the rookies out to the edge. You know, you have Pickens running wild on the edge. He played pretty well doing that when he did it at South Carolina. At that point, I feel like a little bit better. We know the Bears are going to sign a defensive end. We just don't know who it is yet. Uh, I can't believe they haven't done it yet, but yeah, yeah there's no way. There's no way. Right? Although, there's no way they go into the season with this set of edge rushers, right? Yeah, that, that's yes, absolutely. So that's what um, I will. I will say Hogan Johnson make a good point though, and they were like, uh, "There's obviously a lot of you know Bears fans that want to fill in this depth chart as fast as they can, so they can feel better about the team." But from a, an actual logistical standpoint, they were like, "If you're Jadevian Clowney." Are you really, like, do you want to do OTAs? Are you really, like, are you wanting to sign? Like, you might know who you're going to sign with, but you're probably not going to sign until the day before training camp. Like, you're not, you're not interested in doing OTAs. You don't want to do mini camps. You have, you've earned the right to skip that shit at this point in your career. I mean, you could say that about, like, every guy who's available except for maybe Chase Young, right? It would be the same story. Leonard Floyd doesn't need to go through this shit. Um, Yannick Ngakwe doesn't need to go through this shit. Like, they'll probably wait until after all of this goes through and <laughs> deal. But, God, it is hard to look at what we have at Edge right now uh, and just not know who the hell we're going to pick up. I will say this. Um, also, there there's one guy that really still interests me. And, the, and it, uh, Poles has been so averse to signing anybody... Uh, over, like, Leonardo DiCaprio, girlfriend, age, his entire time that he's been here. But, um, Justin Houston is a guy still out there who was still very solid last year as a pass rusher, um, and is a dude who was once a post-draft signing by Eberflus in Indianapolis and had a huge year for him, um, so that is a guy I would really be super excited about if they added him in as a missing piece. Um, just a dude who still is just a solid pa- They don't need a guy to be a, a, a three-down, every-down defensive end. Um, I really do think that on most situations, Green and Walker, those are those, those are okay. Um, but they, they just they need that one dude. If you're putting that foursome together to rush the passer on third and nine, they need one dude that I feel confident can get a goddamn hurry, at least. And I do think Justin Houston, Jadavian Clowney, those are guys who can still do that. Yannick Ngakwe uh, obviously would be. So who was, who was that guy you brought up? He had a, I can't remember his name, the guy with the Jets who seems like he needs to go somewhere, who had the most ridiculous pass snap to run snap split I've ever seen. I, he played like four Bryce, snaps last year. Yeah, Bryce Huff. 20 pass snaps. Yeah, Bryce Huff for the Jets because I mean they so Carl Lawson was the guy that we were drooling over, mm-hmm. um, for sure. Uh, but then they renegotiated his contract and it looks like he's staying. Sounds like he you know he's in a contract year. Um, what I heard basically is he, he wants to go out and put up numbers and understandably he feels that playing next to Quinn and Williams and those other Jets defensive linemen he thinks he could clean up and put up those counting stats that he needs to get his contract versus you know going to the Bears where he would draw most of the attention from the offense. So I right. I get it, Carl. But that leaves the Jets with kind of a glut of defensive linemen and Bryce Huff. Um, yeah, the very definition of a pass rushing special, uh, a, a dime store 
Yannick Ngakwe, if you will, a guy that you are bringing in for one trick and one trick only, but he does that one trick very well. His pass rushing metrics were very good. Um, Bryce Huff would be a dude that I'm interested in for sure. The only problem is it's really hard to to price a dude like that. Absolutely. Yeah, what did the like, Jets ask for? Like, because, I mean, I mean, he doesn't make shit. So, I mean, the Jets are like, you've got to give us a pick worth our time yeah. in order for us to give the guy up because we don't, I mean, it's not going to hurt us to have him making vet minimum on our bench, uh, even if he's not going to be happy about it. But I, at the same time, like, do you give up a fourth round pick for a dude who, you know, well, you know, had 173 or whatever pass rushing snaps but did not play the run at all. You were bringing this dude in for as a one-trick pony. Uh, and, and obviously you'd be bringing him in with the intention that you'd probably be extending him a bit. Yeah. Um. So that that's a really hard one to figure out value. It's a move that um, yeah, yeah. to me, I would be okay since they have the two-fourths right now because they traded down let the Eagles take Jalen Carter. I would do it for one of those fourths. I wouldn't do it for anything more than that. Um. But yeah, I mean, so that is really where we're at. We, we'd like one more edge. Um, but at the same time, I do think Maybe it's important two. to know. It would be nice. <laughs> uh, I do think it's important to admit, though. We said this when we were talking about free agency. We said this when we were talking about it for 2023. Because we, we agreed with the folks who said this Bears roster had more holes than you could fix in one offseason. That yep. you should try to fix in one offseason. We wanted polls to prioritize the offensive side of the ball. Because, obviously, we want them to compete. We both think they should flirt, at least, with wild card contention this year. Um, but the most important goal of the 2023 Bears is not to make the playoffs. It is to get definitive answers on Justin Fields. So, it was more important to focus on the offensive side of the ball. I am glad they did. And we specifically said we would be willing to sacrifice the defensive line and the defensive performance overall in order to achieve that. They did that. We're staring at it in the face. And right now, it, you're like, man, did I say that? Because I'm looking at this defense. Did I? I don't, I don't That doesn't you sound like sign to one or two. Like, like, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I don't think Ryan Poles would have said what he said the other day if he wasn't intending to add Agreed. another edge before camp. I do think another guy's, it, they're edging and another guy's coming. Um, <laughs> it, it's going to happen. So it's just a matter of when. I would have liked it to happen before we had this episode we talked about it. But If, if they keep edging me about these edges, then I'm going yeah. to come for their ass. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God. I think we better lock off. I oh, think I'm losing it's, it. it's too uh, late, man. So sorry to end on a downer, folks, because, yeah, this is easily the most depressing unit on the team still right now. But, yeah, that's... That is the Bears roster as it is. I guess special teams exist, but, like, come on. Um, you know, we don't talk about special teams until our fucking kicker is missing every other kick. Right. So. Yeah. Has Maybe that happened we'll, in recent memory? Is that, well, have, we had, have we had problems with kickers? Yeah. I can't, um, I can't think of a single situation. Has it happened, yeah. But anyway, so, yeah, that is the Bears roster as it stands, and I think that's a good place for us to stop and then pivot into... Uh, off real true off season content hours. We're gonna do a, the Bad Bears tournament next week. We're gonna remember some guys, not fondly, but we're gonna remember the fuck out of them. Yeah. Uh, so join us next week, folks. That's what that one's gonna be fun. Um, and then we'll move into the rest of the off season too. We we got some other stuff planning. If, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I have been tweeting statistics 
all week because I am working through my research on the Justin Fields episode in real time. I am compiling the stats. The straw men, they whisper into my brain and I punch them. I fight them down. I'm ready for them. I have my Justin Fields arguments. Um, I'm going to destroy so many straw men. Um, but yeah, we, we're, we're going to move into some other stuff here soon. But yeah, that's the Bears roster. Definitely better. Still some ways to go, especially on some units more than others. Um, but yeah, good night, folks. We'll see you next week. Hey, evening.